Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Joining us now, comedian Chelsea Peretti, NBA All-Star Roy Hibbert. Roy is our nation's most treasured actor. He's got chops, he's got talent, and he also has three tickets to Lakers. <laughs> With your host, Elliot Anderson, stops it now behind his head. Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. The NBA's Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted to ask you, Stu, when players see you coming, do they get out of the way now? No, the worst thing that happened to me was uh, caller ID. And it's, it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey, too, can I say this first? <laughs> you know you when can. When I started covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. <laughs> now it's time for the tip-off. Welcome in, welcome in the Hangtime Podcast. Thank you, Smith, here in Atlanta. Lang Whitaker, our new poppy. something? <laughs> Rick Fox in L.A. Hey, Rick, uh, poppy's in the house, man. <laughs> What's up? I might be, uh, I might fall asleep during this podcast. <laughs> Just going to give you guys a warning right now. Rick, Rick, he's working on about three and a half minutes of sleep, just so you know. So I thought you, I thought you were going to say hours. And I no, was no, like, no, no. You should be happy if he's getting three and a half. Hours. <laughs> it's three and a half th- minutes, though. I guess we can have some empathy for you. It's three and a half minutes since last Thursday. I think so. <laughs> that's like an accumulated time. Well, but Lang, yeah. we we spent a lot of time last week giving you the business, and oh, I know. And congrats. <laughs> Tell Elizabeth we're sorry. We didn't mean any of it. Um, but seriously, how? How is Baby Whitaker doing, man? How, how, how have you been since last week, and, and has it sunk in yet that you're basically broke and, and never going to get another night's sleep, you know, for the rest of your life? That's already sunk in. <laughs> um, I'm just kind of clinging to the thought that, you know, this kid's going to get older and it's going to get, like, there's going to be patterns evolving. Because right now it's just kind of like every man for himself around here. <laughs> It's like he might sleep, he might not, he might be hungry. I don't know what's going on, um, but yeah, it's it's you know it's 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 awesome. It's, well, it's well, Lang, Lang, yeah. did you get what, what I need to know is, did you give him a New York Nick hat or Brooklyn Net hat? Uh, neither. Is he a uh, giant? ATL, shout it. He has an Atlanta Braves onesie already. <laughs> wow. But uh, you know, I, I've thought about this though about. You know, I, I've been a Hawks fan my whole life, and I've been in New York now, um, going on 13 years. So I've never really rooted for the Knicks or the Nets or against either one. I just kind of, you know, they're a team to watch for me. But now that Brooklyn has, has re, you know, established themselves and they're in the city, basically, they're not far. Um, I've been thinking about, you know, maybe when this kid gets old enough, maybe we become Nets fans because, oh. you know, he's the same age as the franchise is now or at least the, the team <laughs> yeah, so cool. so i thought i thought about that but you know we also we'll have to see if the nets if they're no good then maybe maybe we become Knicks fans <laughs> who knows what are you saying you're saying this is only going to last a year for the nets <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what i'm saying i think uh i'm going to give this like four or five years before i make any decision um, yeah because you can get, you know, look, I mean, I said earlier, I've been a Hawks fan, so I've been, I've been, you've been waiting. Into, <laughs> I've been roped into that my whole life, and there's, there's, they've never been able to get out of the mess, Aaron. So that's good, though, man. Listen, we, again, we are uh, very happy I appreciate for you. It. And uh, Rick, my wife said, thank you, Rick. My wife said she, uh, she was not going to name the kid hashtag <laughs> <laughs> per your suggestion. <laughs> Hey, this seems to be the latest trend, man. You know? no, I appreciate it. I they appreciate talk about it in the year twenty twenty twelve. The the you know the most unique name hashtag is going to be you know that name. So <laughs> I well, guess it'll always be trending on Twitter if that was right. the name. <laughs> well, guys, we got a lot of headlines to get to around the league. Lots of stuff going on. It's the hang time headlines as Seku and the guys discuss the top stories around the NBA. 
say Kuna Matata. Matata. <laughs> Put your big boy pants on. It's, it's, come on. Just adjust. Just adjust. I mean, you can't whine about it. You can't complain about it. Like I said, I'm 34 years old. I'm running screen rolls out there. You know, because Steve's out and my ass is running up and down the court more than I ever have in my entire career. And, but you have to adjust to it. You know, I stay after practice. I work on my ball handling. I work on my screen rolls and stuff like that. And, you know, when you have the talent to adjust to it, you have to adjust to it. You got your big boy pants on, Ray? Put your big boy pants. I've been wearing my big boy pants since I was since I was a big boy. <laughs> this is this is some vintage Kobe anger now. Like it's that between his teeth, it's you that know, slow burn. Yeah, like where he really wants to come out and crush somebody, but he he's trying to phrase it, you know, the right way. I kind of imagine him saying that with his jaw stuck out like he did <laughs> with in the, the hook jaw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you? So, I mean, is, is he right though? Is this a thing where? Pau Gasol has to adjust, or do you think this is Mike D'Antoni needing to make the right adjustments to help Pau get back to to playing the way we know he can? Well, I think this is not that not a unique situation. Uh, this is a, a strange uh, turn of events for the Lake organization, considering what they've gone through uh, in the last two months here in terms of coaching system changes, the likes of of. Player personnel needing to adjust. I, I know we know what Paul Gasol has been in this in this league for the, the last you know ten years. He's been amazing at certain things. Unfortunately for him, he finds himself in a situation that's not suited to his his uh, his game. You would per se, but he's a basketball player. So I think it goes hand in hand that what Kobe's getting him to or wanting to get him to see is that there's no time in this situation for him to you know, pout about, you know, the, the system not fitting him. But at the same time, Mike D'Antoni needs to also look at what he's faced with, which is a very talented seven-footer who may not maybe traditionally fit into his system, but they got to find a way to adjust. Both both sides have to find a way to adjust to make this work. Lang, Lang when you hear Kobe grit his teeth and talk about Powell that way, and he came back, by the way, yesterday and talked about how he loves Powell like a brother, and he is the guy who stuck up for Powell, uh, you know, last year and the year before when there was chatter about Powell getting traded. I mean, Kobe right. was the one who, who made public, you know, comments about the fact that Powell was a, a huge part of what they had going on. Yep. And, you know, he didn't want to see him go anywhere. But do you sense a growing frustration from not only Kobe but maybe the entire organization with Powell's needing to be – massaged all the time or his ego needing to be stoked to get him to play up to his, the level he's used to? I don't know if he's frustrated with Pal. To me, it seems like Kobe's more frustrated by the whole situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Nash is out and Kobe knows, <clears throat> excuse me, Kobe knows he can give it to Pal a little bit and Pal can take it, you know, right. and maybe he's a little um, leery to do that with Dwight Howard right now because you know, new guy and all that stuff. And um, to me, the thing is, though, you know, the guy who's going to make everyone better is hurt right now, Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. And when Nash comes back, I think that makes Gasol better. It's going to make things easier for Kobe. It's going to make Dwight Howard uh, a, a more efficient player. And, you know, I just think that changes everything. And to me, that's that's it's a little bit of, of frustration on the part of everyone else because they know this guy's coming back and until he gets back there's been this kind of struggle. I mean, if anyone understands D'Antoni's system, it's Steve, it's Steve Nash, Nash, right? Yeah. yeah, so. But how do you, would you would you guys say that there's I'm starting to think there's a little paralysis by analysis that there's too much conversation, there's too much discussion. Right. The microscopes are out in the locker room. Everyone's yeah. analyzing every move and and I went to the game on Sunday and I watched the team uh against the Orlando Magic that quite frankly, it shocked me to see the body language. It shocked me how they left the floor, how they how they moved up and down the floor together, how they were in the huddle, in the timeouts. Everything just seemed as if there was you know too much conversation. And then I counted the assistant coaches and the coaches around, <laughs> and I counted like nine, almost ten people. So you know, to me, I just started to think if you got ten, if you got ten coaches, you got too much conversation. Right. Because now everyone has input and everyone's, you know, having having someone some conversation about something that's not working or that should work. And I just don't know how you work with all the assistant coaches 
and all the coaches and all the players trying to analyze this every second of the day. Now, you tell me if that's that seems, too much. That seems like more of a like a modern day NBA trend. You know, Dallas kind of started all that with having you know when you played, Rick. I mean, you guys had what four or five coaches. Man, yeah, Maybe tight five, two tight five guys. Right, and nowadays, I mean, almost every team has at least five, six, seven guys behind the bench. I don't understand how that works in terms of you know. I mean, look, when I played in high school, our coach used to always he his his one thing would be like, guys, we have too many cooks in the kitchen, <laughs> you know, because they get too many voices. As Rick said, analysis by paralysis by analysis. I think that that can be a problem, but. I also think it's you know look the Lakers they they went out and got Steve Nash let's let's give him a chance to play with him let's see what happens when he gets back <laughs> and is healthy before we start jumping to these judgments and you know we're ready to write them off well I, I told somebody uh, the other day that the Miami Heat after 17 games their first year together I think were like nine and eight and yeah. Lang if you remember you had yep. to you had to walk me off the ledge on the show um, you know because I was ready to blow it up and. You know, trying to figure out who was going to be the scapegoat for this whole thing not working, and you know what I mean. Like, we tend to to overreact. I think when the expectations are so, you know, over the top for a team, right? That's and what it we doesn't, do. and we don't have instant returns. Like we expect them to win a championship yesterday, um, and I'm and I get the feeling we've done that with this this Lakers team. But we, can we? But maybe we should. You know, we we don't expect them to win the title tomorrow, but. They should be better than two games below 500, right? I guess. But, I mean, think about who they haven't had in the lineup. Think about who they had in the lineup. They've had two coaches. They've had two coaches in 17 games or 18 games. I mean, these aren't normal. All I'm saying is these are not normal circumstances. So, to assume that they would play above and beyond all of this drama, I think, is is maybe giving them a little more credit than they deserve. They, They have issues. They have things that need to be worked out. It's a group that just got put together. Five months ago, four months ago, I, I'm willing to give them until Christmas. <laughs> my only, my to, only, to get it straight. <laughs> my only, uh, my only concern is that this isn't a team that's as young as the Heat were. Yeah, right. So you know, so I think the under the, the issues are only going to get worse with the demands of an 82 game season. So right. if this is how they shot out the cannon, you know, <laughs> seven and nine or eight and eight <laughs> ten or whatever, I I just I don't know where the improvement comes. It's putting a lot of expectation and pressure on all of the improvement to come from Steve Nash, you know, coming back to the team. Right. Uh, but it doesn't look like that's happening for another, if you ask me, for another three weeks right. at wow. best. Yeah. And so then what kind of condition is he going to be in if he hasn't been able to run for two months? I don't think, I don't think it's 100% on him, though. You know what I mean? I think it's maybe... <laughs> 50% on him. I don't think he has to carry the team like he did in Phoenix, but I do think having him there, you know, he's as Reggie Jackson once said, he's the, the straw that stirs the drink and that's what he could be there. And that's what they need. When I watch them play is they don't have, you know, Kobe, Kobe can be a leader in his way, but I think Nash is the good cop that they need to go with. <laughs> is, that. He, is he going to teach Dwight Howard how to shoot free throws? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were working on that. <laughs> no, no, I'm staying away from that one. <laughs> I tried with Shaq, man. <laughs> you know, but Shaq made his free throws when they counted. So, right. you know, you're talking about a man. You know, they they did hack a Shaq before. Now they're doing hack a Dwight. Yep. And you know, is it? You tell me. Is it upon D'Antoni to adjust? He made some strong statements about he's not going to take Dwight Howard out the game, but he took Paul Gasol out the game. He's benched Paul Gasol. You know, two fourth quarters. Yeah, and he hasn't been shy about kind of throwing Powell under the bus since in some respects like the way he reacts about Powell and the way he, way he reacts about Dwight and his struggles at the end of games are totally different um yeah and and that would concern me if if I'm watching this Lakers situation and wondering you know is there a tier system or a star system that Mike D'Antoni brings in with him that might not have been a part of the culture uh previously and and I go and I say that because I was there when Phil Jackson tapped on Powell's chest and challenged him against Dallas in the playoffs and kind of went at him in game three of that Mavericks series a few years ago. And, you know, you know, Phil has never been nervous about, you know, challenging anybody, be it Kobe, Shaq, or whoever. I'm just wondering, a coach that doesn't have that sort of cachet, does he come in and upset the balance or the chemistry 
of that locker room by being that loud and obvious about Powell and then looking like three blind mice when it comes to Dwight and his struggles at the end of games. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at uh, Rick Fox's career stats right Uh-oh. now. Oh, no. Free throw shooting? Free throw shooting. You got me curious. Career 77% Come on, line. Rick. That's pretty hey, good. Man. Here's what you well hold on now. Uh, what you what you need to know is that in the in the fourth quarter, I think I was like uh, maybe ninety eight percent. Crunch playoffs, time, baby. Crunch time. I, and and, and not, here I look at me. Here I am defending my seventy seven percent. That's good. I, I was never I was never asked to to take a lot of free throws, but yeah. I, and I also didn't have the type of uh, pedigree or cachet that that when I you know when I went to the basket, I got to you the got line. To- I, <laughs> You have Shaq and Kobe shooting all the free throws. Yeah. The referees look at look the other way with you. Well, guys, we're not the only ones who have noticed some of the the stuff in in LA and this this is interesting coming from a Laker great. Listen to James Worthy talking about the Lakers and some of the issues he notices. They played the game very well for about 41 to 42 minutes and I just think they just gave up. They just have no killer instinct. And I don't understand that at all. I just don't understand it. No killer instinct. You, you guys think Worthy has a point about this group specifically? I mean, it's not like you got a bunch of Kobe's out there. You got Kobe, and then you got Anton Jameson and Dwight, who you know always smiling and loving you know the moment, enjoying the game and playful. And is is Worthy correct in his assessment about this group? I think he's correct. I think he's correct, and he's been saying it for months now. Yeah, he's actually his his uh, communication in the summer was directed at Dwight Howard with yeah. that that exact you know question of where you know this little too much jovial uh, approach to his game. And Shaq used to get criticized about that, you know. And and Shaq, I recall once I got to L.A. in '97 after about eight years of Shaq's career, where he just or seven years where he was just, you know, falling short and being criticized for maybe being too uh, in, in interested in other things off the court and a little bit too playful. You know, Shaq became a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a grump and, and got a little <laughs> nasty on the court. And, mm-hmm. and I, I've yet to see that from Dwight. And, yeah. and, it, and you, and you got to believe Dwight being one of these stars along with Kobe, this team is going to go and this, this team's identity is going to take on the look of, of its stars. And right now Kobe is his, as nasty and as, as attacking as you can be, but he's not influencing the rest of his team. The rest of his team seems to be taking on more of Dwight's personality, which is, oh, it'll all work out. We just need to, you know, stay together and work hard. And you know, there's not. I want. I want to see Dwight at some point get angry about things, and I've yet to see that. Yeah, yeah. there's two things with Dwight for me. Number one is I, I, you know, watching them play, I still wonder how healthy he is, um, and I wonder what he plays like when he's a hundred percent and I wonder when he gets to be a hundred percent. Um, I don't know, you know, obviously I don't, I, I'm not a doctor. I played one on TV, but actually Rick might've played one on TV. <laughs> I played a couple on TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I don't know how he gets healthy when he gets healthy and, and you know, what change that makes. But the other thing to me is if, if Dwight Howard played the same way he plays right now, but off the court, Say he didn't talk to the media. Say he uh, say he had the attitude of Rasheed Wallace, where you know you, you don't hear him talk to the media on the court. He's barking and yelling at guys, and then he comes out and he averages almost nineteen, uh, eleven, three blocks. Is that okay, or is is it you know is it just because he likes to have fun and he likes to laugh that we're kind of all gonna be ready to say, well, it's it's his attitude that's the main problem there. You, you, well, you show me one. You, one leader, one legend, right? Who had that personality and actually successfully led his teams uh, through the fire and on the championship basketball? I, there may be. I'm trying to think. Kevin McHale was. I was a part of the Laker teams where Kevin was that type of player. He yeah. was not the focal point of that team. Larry Bird was. He drove the tone of that that franchise. Right. Of, and, and Kevin was great. Kevin yeah. was great. I, I can't. Shaq in, in his Orlando days was very jovial, very Disneyland, Mickey Mouse, playful. Mm-hmm. When he got to L.A., all that kind of went to went away, went went to the sidelines. And he he Shaq was a nasty guy. 
he you know he was not, he may not he still maintained his his smile and his presence but he 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 internally shifted to I'm going to be criticized for the rest of my life based on what whether or not I win championships yeah. and I'm running out of time I don't think Dwight to me looks like he senses or feels like he's running out of time yeah maybe he doesn't have that uh that, he, yeah. well, he hadn't adopted that he hadn't started he hadn't played with that that uh chip on his shoulder the way Shaq did, I oh, thought, when Shaq no. started winning championships. No, you exactly. Know? And that's hard to do when you've been so dominant for so long. You know, you you have to, like you said, you have to adopt that sort of attitude. And, and that was, Rick, you mentioned it. I'm sure his teammates, his coaches challenged him to be more than just a big guy who dominates every night, but a guy who you can ride to championships. And I don't yeah. know, Lang I don't, is right. I don't know that Dwight has been forced – to adopt that attitude just yet. Maybe playing with Kobe is what's going to bring that out of him. Or maybe it's what it's going to keep it from developing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like maybe he doesn't, he, maybe he feels like, or maybe he, he finds out that he doesn't have to develop that if he has Kobe and Nash and, and these other guys around him. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Guys, before before we go Laker crazy on this thing, right. we, we haven't even mentioned Greg Popovich and <laughs> David Stern in the the mess that was <laughs> that was – Last Thursday night on TNT, the Miami Heat playing against uh, the Spurs second team. I don't even know if we call them second teams, but the, the rest of the Spurs not named Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, you know, Tim Duncan and Danny Green. And the the fallout from that, $250,000 fine for the hmm. San Antonio Spurs for sending those guys home instead of playing that game on TNT last Thursday night. Did you think that David Stern – D- made the appropriate call on the fine and the fact that he came out and, and it told the world there was going to be a fine before the game even was played? Or d- or did you think Greg Popovich was well within his right to do what he did and, and not play those guys? C- can two people be right? <laughs> <laughs> I tell my wife that all the time. I don't know if I don't <laughs> I, It hadn't worked for me yet, so I would tell you no. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't I, – I, I thought – I totally get where Pop's coming from, yeah. right? You you want guys to be healthy. It's a long season. There's four games in five nights, whatever. Um, you know, maybe if he doesn't send those guys home, there's not a fine. If he <laughs> has them on the bench at least in suits or whatever, like then there's not a fine. Right. Uh, put them on a commercial flight home, no less. Um, then maybe that, that doesn't happen. But I, I get, you know, also he did it a couple times. He's done it before. It's in the first time he's rested healthy guys. Um, or, you know, relatively quote, quote, healthy guys. Yeah. yeah. Relatively healthy guys. Uh, I, you know, it's a TNT game that plays into it. I'm sure it's the only time they play in Miami this season. I'm sure that plays into it too. There's just a lot of moving parts to this thing. And, uh, you know, it seems like in a way you're, you're kind of opening up a can of worms. If you're going to tell a coach who he can and can't rest or play, but I, 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 I think personally, I think the 250,000, if he's going to find a team, yeah. That was low. Really? Okay. Wow. Okay. Here's why. Because I got fined $350,000. <laughs> what? I was a player. Now, we know teams have more money than wait, players. Wait, wait, wait. What'd you get fined that for? What'd you get fined $350,000 yeah. for? And I got fined six games and $350,000 in 2003. Is that when you got in a fight with Doug Christie? I got in a fight in the tunnel Come with on. Doug Christie. So, okay, so now. That was classic, by the way. 250000 I'm like. It was. Like that's a team, and that's all they're getting, you know. So that that was a little shocking for me. I thought he was going to come down maybe financially a little harder. I'm mm. glad he didn't. I'm glad he didn't because I don't think that for me, I don't think you can start to now dictate. And I understand that. I understand the points that are made about the you know the the, the league as a whole and the, the commitment to the fans and the partnerships with TNT. Uh, look, TNT hires us, so you know I don't want them and I don't want the fans to miss out on the opportunity to see the matchup that we all tune in to look forward to seeing right. does prize. It shouldn't shock us. This isn't anything new. So, so when I think of uh, what happened that night with Popovich, you know, he took, he's taken, he's charged to take care of his players and his team. It's actually, I thought a really smart move from the standpoint of, you know, he doesn't even see the Miami heat in the finals unless he gets out of the Western conference. Exactly. Right. First being the, 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 the strongest team that he'll probably have to face in terms of schedule, home court, 
matchups, if there's a split in the record at the end of the year, who has the better record between the two teams? We know that San Antonio Spurs are a completely different team if they have home court advantage. They go right. they go much further in the, in the, in the league than, than, than not. And, and in regards to, you know, giving his, his young players an opportunity to actually play against the best, you know, the defending champions who they may need to see on that floor and actually have one of those players as maybe as the older Spurs maybe don't have as, as much legs left at the end of the season. Right. Having those guys like Neil and uh, come out there and actually have an effect in the point guard position, you know, he just exposed the heat. Uh, and, and, and as you saw, the Wizard went in there and beat him last night. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. What you about, know, my wait, big wait. problem, though, with it, Lang, and it, it had nothing to do with who played or who didn't play, the fact that you came out and said there was going to be a fine before they started the game, before you gave the Spurs reserves yeah, a chance a chance to prove, hey, we, we belong in this league too. And I'm, I'm telling you, I was tweeting like crazy, which I, I try and stay away from during games. But I openly was rooting for Nando DiColo and, you know, Boris Diaw and these cats to I go talk- out there and win that game. I wanted them to win that game so bad just to <laughs> prove a point that you can't, you can't what dismiss these guys. Yeah, yeah they were right they there. Would have. Yeah, then if they had won. What happens? Then who do you find? I talked to and, you and I, Seku and I talked on the phone yeah. during that game, and that, he was <laughs> he was like, "Come on, Spurs! <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on! You you guys talking on the phone together? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have you your number." Rick doesn't answer. Your so. number is private <laughs> caller, Rick. We can't even like we got to talk to like three people before we can even get to you. My feelings are hurt. Yeah. <laughs> when did this happen? When you had the baby, Lang? You thought you could just talk to say. <laughs> I knew you were going to suggest hashtag. By the way, <laughs> by the way, I just went on the U.S. inflation calculator website just because I was curious. Uh oh. And Rick's fine. It was 2003, right? Yeah. Uh, a 2003 $350,000 fine today would be a $440,000 Ooh. fine. Oh, thank you. Uh, this is what I need. <laughs> just to hear what my money would have been. <laughs> Rick, by the way, I, you bring that up, like Rick, the, the, don't the Christies live in L.A.? Um, I mean, is I, everything all good between you they, and Doug Christie now? Is everything just water under the bridge? That's history? We, we, you know, he stays on one side of the hill. I'm still... <laughs> Knows not to come over here. <laughs> I'm not saying which side of the hill. <laughs> that was a class. That was one of the classic altercations that I can remember in the it years. Was, yeah, of to league, because that wasn't just a dang fight between two players. That turned into a family affair. Now, well, yeah, oh yeah, I no, mean, <laughs> it sure did. That is classic. God, man, that that was when I was just telling somebody this the other day. There was a time when the NBA. And the entertainment and just the whole aura surrounding the league was was so much more than just the basketball. And it's still like that to an extent. But, man, when when the Lakers had that cast out there and you had, you know, Kobe and Shaq and all, man, that was a, that was a different time. I don't care what you say. When the league has those big personalities in those big places and on that big stage, man, it just makes everything more fun. I the fact that we even remembered it, and you know, obviously, we're not trying to make light of the three hundred fifty grand you lost, because Lang and I could do damage with that kind. Apparently, four hundred and fifty. Four. I mean, yeah, four hundred forty-two thousand or whatever it is. But man, that was that was a class. I mean, I, I'm we're gonna, we're gonna have to dig the video up on that, Greg, and make sure we uh, stick that in the intro or something. Because I know there was some audio that went with it, like you bleep bleep bleep. <laughs> I, I think. Oh, I think. I can create it for you if you can't find it. <laughs> I, I remember a lot of those fights. I mean, you know, I think, Seiko, you probably – I mean, you remember Chris Childs and Kobe? I mean, there's a Don't lot. bring that up to Kobe. I'm sure he doesn't want to hear about that. There's a lot through the years. Like, <laughs> there are just classic moments like that. But anyway. Yeah, anyway, we, we digress. Uh, another thing before we get done with headlines, which has stretched into an entire podcast in, unto itself – you guys ready for the new New Orleans, whatever they're going to be called? The, the, we got a new nickname coming. That's what it should have been. The, the New Orleans, whatever. <laughs> whatever, whatever we want to be called. The Pelicans, the Pelicans is reported to be the new nickname of the New Orleans NBA franchise. I I know it's the state bird. The Pelican Brief is one of my all-time favorite uh, movies. Uh, I didn't you know, realize Denzel and Julia Roberts, but come on, man. The New Orleans Pelicans? I didn't realize the Pelican Brief was called the Pelican Brief because it was in Louisiana until <laughs> last night. And I heard come the on, sake. Come on, Lang. That's Lang. I read I the swear. book. I read the book, too, but I just didn't realize, oh, the state of Louisiana means Pelican. I yeah. didn't know. Come on. But, Look, I, I, was in, I was in New Orleans this weekend. Oh, yeah. I was there. We- I had the opportunity to go to the Oklahoma City Thunder 
New Orleans Hornets. They're Hornets. still the Hornets, Hornets, technically, yeah. Who now apparently the Charlotte Bobcats would like their name back. <laughs> uh, but but I don't know if I would have gone if it was the New Orleans <laughs> Pelicans. I, I, I think I would have probably opted for a little August restaurant or a little Emerald Legacy. Yeah. I mean, the, the New Orleans Pelicans? I don't It doesn't have a – it just doesn't – it doesn't have a ring to it for me. I'm sorry. Okay, so what would it have been? What would you have given us? I don't know. The Nutria? Uh, that's an indigenous creature. I like the Saints. That you was know. one. Mark Spears had come up with that idea a while back that they should keep, you know, you could have two franchises. You can double up, yeah. yeah. Tom Benson owns both teams anyway. Tom Benson owns both. You yeah. can have the they, Saints and two sports. They will always be the New Orleans Jazz to me, man. Yeah. And that's to a lot of people. I, you know, I, I made that point last night um, when I was writing something about it um, on the blog is, the Jazz are never giving up the nickname. So folks in New Orleans will never get that back technically. But we all know that's the most appropriate nickname it's that you could have for a team in New Orleans is the Jazz. I mean, it's a no-brainer. But you got to come up with something a little more what about if you forceful to, than the Pelicans. If you tried to be more current and it was like the, the Cash Money crew or something like that. Or... <laughs> the New, New Orleans, Orleans Wheezies. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I got it. They should have be. They should be called the New Orleans Bourbons. That wouldn't be bad. <laughs> I don't know if you could have like little kids running around with. Bourbon I'm just not on. sure. Yeah, I'm not sure that's Bourbon the family street. image we're looking for. But Bourbon Street, you know, yeah. Bourbons, you know, or you know, you could do a three team swap. You can get the Bobcats <laughs> back their swap. name, the Hornets to the Utah, and the Jazz back to. Because there's more Bob. There's more. Bob, I don't know. Maybe something, man. <laughs> Anything but the Pelicans. I'm feeling the Pelicans right now. Well, you know, I, my next door neighbor's from New Orleans, and before Katrina, I guarantee you, if you if you wanted to call the the basketball team the Hurricanes, yeah, that would have been something. Yeah, you know, with the I mean, granted, it's it's a gigantic drink you carry around in yeah, the French Quarter exactly. and get drunk on, but I mean, it it would have resonated in a city like New Orleans. Anybody who's ever been there. You've either been asked to drink, you know, if you want to drink a hurricane, or you've had a couple. Right. So I mean, it was it's something that's specific to that area. Nobody goes down there thinking about the Pelicans. I, you know, and Mark Spears is the one who reported this from Yahoo. His story. He also said they considered the nicknames the Crew, like the Mardi yeah. Gras groups, and the, and the, and the Brass, the Brass, which would do is interesting. Ah, it's interesting. New Orleans Brass. You know, and That's Mark Mark's got his, yeah. his 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 folks live in New Orleans. Yeah, Mark's I mean, a, he, so a he's, New Orleanian. Yeah, he's got New Orleans roots, and he knows as well as anyone that you know you don't just throw a nickname at the people in New Orleans. Like it's going to mean something when you come down there and have a team there. You you got to get the people fired up, and I know there have been gone. issues with filling that arena. You know, like with, with the New Orleans in. Voodoo too. I yeah. think that's another one. That's another one. I would have been, sca- been scary. <laughs> you get a crazy mascot coming out looking like a gypsy. And- <laughs> Hell yeah. I, I was, I was, uh, I was looking up. There was people on Twitter last night were posting stories about pelicans and how they're actually like a very angry bird. So I, I suggested the angry birds. But they're, Ooh, I'm scared. They're, <laughs> I think so. I'm thinking next week. You know. Greg's listening in, our, our super producer. Maybe we can get a, a bird expert, a pelican expert on. <laughs> Ask him some questions about pelicans. I don't, uh, you know, this this hasn't been done officially yet, obviously. So maybe there's right. time to for well, the Benson family to go in a different direction. Point? So, they can yeah, still I think eject out of it. I probably they I mean, can. I, I mean, Tom Benson. I guess they can name it whatever they want once they do it officially. But I'm uh-huh. hoping they they have a change of heart and at least rethink the pelicans and maybe go with some other stuff. Because I, I I don't see people walking around, you know, yo, did you see the Pelicans last night, son? Like, I don't, I can't hear somebody saying that on Bourbon Street. It just doesn't sound right. Nah. Doesn't work. Doesn't work for me. Look, I walked down Bourbon Street. Trust me, there was no Pelicans down there. <laughs> There's a much of, other stuff. A lot of other things. There was a much lot of other stuff, things. beads and other things you can't really talk about on this family show. But right. we hear you. Uh, guys, last thing before we get done with headlines. Two guys we've been waiting to see this year. Neither one of them has been in action yet. Derrick Rose and Ricky Rubio. On Both of them reportedly running around on the practice court, not with their teams, but working out on the practice floor, doing some cutting, some high-impact running. And Are, are we going to get a chance to see these two guys before Christmas, do you think? And if so, what does that do for the fortunes of both the Chicago Bulls in Derrick Rose's case 
and the Minnesota Timberwolves in Ricky Rubio's case. Lang, seeing as how you and Ricky Rubio are, you know, soulmates and, and destined to be together sometime, you know, in, in the next life, what do you think about Rubio coming back? <laughs> I saw – I was with him during the NBA Finals. Oh, and he my was gosh, in, go. He was in Portland, and he had had the surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in, I guess – well, it was during the conference finals. So mm-hmm. it was like end of May, I guess. He'd had the surgery, and he was already working out a couple times a day. He was traveling – with a physical therapist from the team. And so they were icing his knee five, six, seven times a day throughout the day. So, I mean, that was, I I don't know what, five, six, seven months ago, something like that, six months ago. Um, I don't know what the timetable is to be 100% effective in returning from that kind of surgery. I know that some of the, I think it was Josh Howard said that he, scrimmage with him and bounce the ball between his legs already when <laughs> he came back. So I, and for Ricky, you know, I, I think the thing for him is that he's never been a guy who relied on his athleticism, like the way Rose does, you know, he, yeah. he's, he's athletic, but he's, he's more about positioning and kind of like guile um, on the court than he is about just being crazy athletic. So I don't know that, you know, if, if Ricky Rubio at 95%, 90% is that much of a drop off than at a hundred percent. Um, I, I do like the way that they've, that they've kind of handled this the way they did with Kevin love is like, instead of just saying he'll be back next week, he'll be back on this date. And then it becomes like it is with uh, a watch. Yeah. Like a, a yeah. countdown or whatever. Yeah. yeah it, you know, instead of just saying, Oh, like Bynum instead of like, Oh, where is he? Where is he now back? And said, you know, they just come back when they're healthy. So I, I don't, I don't know when they'll be back, but uh, I, I, I think I, they both are going to be, I think they're both are going to be, John Wall back. They're both going to be Mark Stoudemire back. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with these guys? I wish I knew. I mean, I mean, this is like this is this is longer than expected. I mean, John yeah. Wall's not even running and participating in any fashion. He was supposed to be back last Friday. Yeah. So there's no, so there's no even word or communication. So it makes me lead me leads me to believe that the breakdown of communication there. Right. Amari's uh, now at Christmas time, right? Yeah. So you know, say, I wonder if it's a little bit. I mean, Rubio and Rose both tore a ligament, and that's a pretty cut and dry. What you know, you 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 have surgery and you repair the ligament. You um, rehab it, and yeah. Yeah, and these other guys, have, none of the other guys have something that's that concrete of an injury. It's, it's you know these other little things here and there, and uh, I mean, obviously, again, we should ask Doctor Fox. So is this a, <laughs> is this a trend now? Would you say this is a trend? I mean, look, Eric Gordon. Bynum, the, in, where the where the athletes are now, the players are now, in some way, taking their own health into their own hands and gauging when they should return versus in when in my era, where you took you know you took the teams, doctors and trainers, and they more or less told you you were ready and you went back out there. So I, I think there's a heightened sensitivity about it amongst players, Rick. And do you think that's a good thing? I mean. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Uh, It is their body. It is their body, and and, and they know more than anyone what they feel like. It seems, though, that players are are extremely, in this era, extremely more cautious about their returns. And I guess what I would say is when when we returned, we were 80% healthy. You know, guys seem to be striving for 100% health before they come back. Which realistically takes longer than I'm sure a team or a team's you know training staff would 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 recommend. You know they they want them on the on the court. They need them on the court. I'll right. say this too, Rick. There was the area you're talking about. If you sit out for too long, Someone there was somebody it. else take your job and not give it back. Yeah, you know, Amari knows that when he comes back, whether he's starting or coming off the bench, has been as has been rumored, he's still Amari Stoudemire. He still has a a spot in the rotation and on that team and in that hierarchy with the Knicks that will not be erased. But you know, that's them long-term contracts. <laughs> that's them, that's them yeah. Big I mean, it's a different, it's that's a different animal. Every, yeah. That's not for everyone. Yeah. You, know, you, you look at the guy, he, you know, John Wall is, you know, is on the sidelines injured, but he's, you know, he's their franchise player. Yeah. There's nobody taking his job while he's out. No, Eric Gordon just, or, you know. just signed a, you know, however much money he just signed for. He's locked in, so he can he can take his time to to be a hundred percent healthy. What's what's more more of a head scratcher to me is Andrew Bynum, because right. he'll be a free agent. Yeah, you know, at the yeah. end of the season, and who's going to want to give? Well, somebody always will, but I mean, it, yeah. it it makes you wonder who's going to be the team that steps up 
with a long-term commitment to Andrew Bynum if they don't see him but for half the season or less? You know, I'd be that would make me nervous if I was a franchise. Yeah. Um, but we still want we, we, we want them back. Yeah, Very we back. want all of them back. I want to see the league at – as, as healthy as possible because you want to see the best basketball possible. And, I don't, and I'm tired of looking at Andrew Bynum's hair over there looking like Clarence <laughs> Wayman III in, in somebody, Purple Rain tell, 3. I mean, uh, we got we to gotta cut that out. That is not cute. No, no. that's not a good look. I mean, not <laughs> unless – Mama Bynum? <laughs> not unless he plans on starring. What's that What's that uh, movie Snoop Dogg and them did when he was the he was the ghost? What is it, Bones? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't, unless he plans on starring in, the, in Bones 4 – with Snoop Dogg, and you know, we need so Andrew Bynum to get a haircut and update fish the wardrobe. Pittsburgh. He, he's thinking the fish to save Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> the fish comes to Philly. <laughs> Fellas, joining us this week on the Hangtime Podcast, a special guest we've been looking forward to having. Perfect timing, by the way, for Lang <laughs> being a new father and all. We got a guy, Etan Thomas, longtime NBA warrior, one of the, the toughest and most rugged players that you can remember, but also a guy who's a bit of a renaissance man, a poet, an author, an activist, uh, just happened to have written a new book about fatherhood. And, and Atan, I got to tell you, Lang needs your help. He's, he's struggling <laughs> right now, man. He's, got, he's working on three and a half minutes of sleep since last Thursday. He has, oh, wow. He has no idea what to do, and he needs your help. I've got a five-day-old. Oh, you might hear him crying in the background. Wow, yeah, those are those are the good old days. My my kids are now seven, five, and and two, and yeah, I definitely remember those sleepless nights. <laughs> Man, tell me this. Tell me, tell me this, Etan. Just promise me this. Does it get easier? It gets different. I can say it like that. <laughs> it gets different. <laughs> so, Etan, how do you transition from, you know, all these years of playing ball, and mm-hmm. you know. Really living your life in that public eye in one respect. Right. Now, you know, as an author, certainly you, it, it opens you up to different avenues of people, obviously. But how do you transition from your playing days into the, this post-playing career where you're trying to do some some significant things and, and making sure people understand that it's coming from a place that's not that didn't start yesterday? I mean, this is something you've been doing for a long time. Right. No, definitely. I mean, we have to have different interests. And, you know, I've I've been writing, you know, since I was pretty much in high school. So mm-hmm. I just continued to it. And, um, you know, now I'm writing for the Washington Post. And, you know, I was able to attend a, a meeting of all the, the black community leaders uh, this past Monday in B.C. who convened to try to figure out, you know, how they can help President Obama push through agendas. Right. And, you know, I'm in, I'm in New York now and I'm going to do a fatherhood panel at Abyssinian Church tomorrow with with, you know, Chris Broussard and Dave Tyree from the Giants and Alan mm. Houston. And, you know, I mean, you just have to have different interests. Different, you can't just sit at home and, and do nothing because, you know, you got to do something after you retire. <laughs> right. Eton, hey, hey, Rick here, the, the question I have for you is, is along those lines, was there, was there a, a time period between knowing that you wanted to say, you know, move on from your basketball career and into everyday life where, where you sat uh, and thought, what am I going to do moving forward? Or did you have that already worked out for yourself? Yeah, you I kind of had that already worked out. You know, I mean, I I was always writing. You know, this is my second book, so I already wrote a book before while I was playing. And I was always writing for the Huffington Post, you know what I mean, writing about political topics. And I was working with the Obama campaign before mm-hmm. um, in the first election. So it's just kind of a continuation of what I always wanted to do. So you really got to have a plan. You know, you can't wait until you retire and then say, okay, now what I'm going to do. You know, you have to start thinking about that while you're playing. Right. I, I also, this is Lang, by the way. I also want to point out Etan was also writing for SlamOnline.com while he was playing. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Definitely. <laughs> but, no, Slam, Slam, Slam let, me, let me write. They let me, let me say what I wanted to say and write about certain topics. And it, that was great. So Slam really opened the door for me. We we loved having you write stuff. One thing that I always remember you writing about was when Wayman Tisdale passed away, and you wrote a right. tribute to him and what he had meant to you. Can you just tell people? I mean, we're we're talking about your post basketball career, but in right. a way, he meant a lot to you having a basketball career, right? Oh well, definitely. You know, I remember Wayman Tisdale coming to my middle school to talk. And we all remember every word he said. Me and all my homeboys, we was just focused in on everything he said. And what he meant to Tulsa was it was so much you can't even put into words. Right. And uh, he went to the same high school that I went to, Booker T. Washington in Tulsa. 
and, you know, just following his career and, and the type of person that he was and what he did after basketball, you know, everything he did with his, with his, with his albums and, you know, his, his whole jazz career just took off. And he was really just a, a, a big uh, role model for, for young people just to really go after all your dreams. You know, I saw what he was able to do when he would go and he would speak places. And so, you know, I saw the effect that it had, you know, because young people listen to athletes, rappers, you know, actors, people who you recognize. So, you know, that's what I started doing. You know, and when I was in with the Wizards, when I was in college with Syracuse, you know, I just would go speak in different places and bring some guys with me, and young people would listen. You know, so it's just really just being a positive influence and a positive role model and using that power for good. Yeah. And John, what, what came first, your love for basketball or your love for the writing and the other things that you've done outside of the game? I mean, because I know everybody has that dream to play and to play at a high level when you're young, but not everybody has that opportunity. Not everybody – attains that dream what what flame was lit first for you well you know i you know of course started playing ball at young age you know third second grade like everybody else but um then once i started really learning about the athletes before me and my mom started teaching my mother's a teacher mm-hmm. and um she really started breaking down and showing me muhammad ali and showing me jim brown and john carlos and tommy smith and bill russell and you know and kareem and showing me what they did off the court and off the field you know what i mean and what what they were about besides just playing the, their, their craft. Mm-hmm. And she said, this is how you have to be. You have to be a, a well-rounded individual. You don't just rest on one talent. You have many talents. And, you know, and you speak your mind and you use your position as a platform. So my mom instilled all that into me at a young age. So then once I got to high school and started getting a little bit of notoriety from playing, you know, I started also getting into speech and debate. Mm-hmm. And I started writing speeches and performing different places and, and writing poetry and, and using that platform. And I started just doing exactly what I was taught. And, and following the, the tradition of those athletes who I admire. Man, you sound like a politician. You sound like no, you no, have... don't say that now. Don't say that. I'm <laughs> no, not going to follow Don't say that. No, I don't mean it in a negative way. I mean that that there's 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 a lot that I'm I'm hearing from you that says that I would vote for you because <laughs> the passion. No, there's a passion. Yeah. And, I'm sure a discipline from your professional career and, and a and a group dynamic team you know teammate setup that that is would allow you to be of, of service to you know to to a city a town a state right. uh, your country well, and and I, I wonder if you have any of those aspirations. Um, you know, not not quite in that way. You know, I'm, I'm definitely blessed, and I, I've always known that I've been blessed. So then when you're blessed, you have to be a blessing to somebody else. And that's what I'm really doing with these fatherhood panels and this whole fatherhood movement is really just to, you know, I, I recruit different guys in different places, and we all go to a, to a big church or a big place, and we all just talk fatherhood. And the way the young people react to us, just hearing somebody, just hearing Chris Broussard, who they see all the time on ESPN, or hearing Alan Houston. You know, before I took Amari Stoudemire and Styles P, and we went to Rikers Island. And the way that the guys reacted to them, it was amazing. You know, they heard, listened to everything that Styles P said because they, they just have that respect. And it's really just using that power for good. So that's the, that's the passion that I have because really, I mean, Rick, you could, you could tell also, you know, a whole lot of guys that could have played ball and been in the NBA but made bad choices and bad decisions in life. And it's yeah. really just, you know, it, you're, you're tired of always seeing that and hearing the sad stories and really yeah. just trying to get them before they go down that road. Hey, and tell me, Itan, how, how do you get them before they go down that road? Is it just getting in front of them or is it the message that you give them that that's something that they're not used to hearing or, or what is a it? Lot, a lot of times it's that. A lot of times they're really bombarded with a lot of negativity. You know, especially um, young people that come from a certain area, you know, maybe they come from a single-parent household. I hate the term broken home, but you're, you're, they're always bombarded with that term. I was bombarded with it when I was growing up. And, you're, and you hear all the negative statistics about how you're probably going to end up in jail or, you know, uh, drop out or, you know, if women end up pregnant or something terrible. And it's really just showing that, no, there's a lot of guys that came from situations worse than you, and they made the right choice and the right decisions. So it doesn't matter where you come from, you can still make it. And that's really the why I wrote this book, because I wanted it to be inspirational to young people. Not like I'm no fatherhood expert, and I ain't even no <laughs> such thing as a fatherhood expert. You know what I mean? I'm still learning every day with my kids. Right. You know, but it's just really just, just being able to, to show them that there are other people that have gone through what you've gone through and, and have it be from people who you who they would recognize. So we have Tony Dungy who did the forward and, you know, Kareem and uh, Kevin Durant and Ice Cube and, and Faye Diggs and Andre Agassi and Tony Hawk and all these people in the book who are all telling their own personal experiences with fatherhood. So that's really what I wanted to do. Tom, 
Now, a buddy of mine I went to college with, Brandon Barkley, went to the same high school you did. Was a, I think he was a uh-huh. senior when you might have been a freshman. Um, yeah, he was a senior. I was a freshman. Yeah, I mean, and he – I met him, and his thing, every other word out of his mouth was Booker T. And I, and, you know, and I heard you mention Wayman Tisdale. Is there something about the culture of that school or in Tulsa? I know there's a, a rich history – uh, in, in the rich c- history. Yeah, in the I mean, city of Tulsa. It, it, it goes so deep, though, because in Tulsa, I mean, you have to go back to Black Wall Street. Right, And right. you go back to where, to where you know, and this is going on in the 20s when, when black people created an entire community, entire town where they didn't have to go across the railroad tracks for anything. Yeah. You know, and you have to know the history of what happened and how they bombed it and, it, and you, know, to, you know, burned it down. And then, you know, Booker T was really a place that was forced integration. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a place where people look at, at as pride in Tulsa because it's really a, a standard of excellence. And, and where we would always try to, you know, excel in whether you're talking about football or basketball, academics or the band or speech and debate, it was really a standard of excellence in Tulsa. Yeah. And so, you know, it's hard to explain, but anybody that's listening is from Tulsa, especially <laughs> they went to Booker T, know exactly what I'm talking about. It's oh, that, yeah. that hornet pride, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and the funny part about that is you must have been a hell of a debater in an NBA locker room or a college locker room. <laughs> you're not, it's not yeah. exactly arguing with me or laying there. You know, you argue with a man your size. That's got to be a, that's got to be a problem for some people. But you know what? That's the thing that I always, I would always say. I was like, we would have some great debates in the locker room when stuff happened, when things would happen in current events mm-hmm. or different political topics. And everybody would always ask, like, really? The basketball players are talking about politics? I'm like, yeah. You know, maybe they don't speak out about it like, you know, Jim Brown or anything like that. But, you know, guys have interest in politics and they have opinions. You know, but, you, but sometimes y'all never ask them. You'll never ask them what they think. Right. <laughs> Hey, Tom, uh, it's Rick here. Since yeah, Let's put a little bit of that debate to, to practice here. And have, a little, have a little fun. You take the side of uh, the Washington Wizards, your former team. Okay. We'll take the side of, of arguing that they won't win 10 games. Okay. All right. So, you want to go first? Sure, you're first. You're first. Okay, well, they just beat the Miami Heat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a set-up argument, Rick. <laughs> I want to set our guest up and put him in the best position. <laughs> that, 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 they just beat the Miami Heat, so that tells you what they're capable of doing. You know, right now they have John Wall out, you know, arguably their best player. You know, you have Nene, who's just coming back, who is starting to get back into the mix. You know, he's still coming back of an injury, but as you know, it really just takes a little bit, really just to get back in the flow. You have Trevor Ariza, who is playing great, you know, but still on a new team and still learning the learning the, the you know to get with everybody and really just everybody vibe. I mean, you have you have a, a rookie who Bill, who is really learning his way, as talented as he can be. You know, he's mature and, he, and he's going to take a little bit, but he you see you see the ability in him. You have Jordan Crawford that can score at will, but sometimes he does have to take you know uh, better shots, you know, wiser shot selection. But you see the talent there. I mean, you see, you see A.J. Price is doing a great job filling in for some big shoes that he has to fill in with John Wall, but you see it all coming together. You see flashes of brilliance. You know, they, 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 their record doesn't show it, but, you know, they're all standing behind their coach, and they're, they're all going to, you know, they're going to get better. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of time. Tell him why he's wrong, Rick. Exactly, yeah. We're going to let Rick debate this one. Okay. <laughs> I know. I, I put myself in the hole. <laughs> uh, you, you make a lot a, a lot of valid points uh, when I look at the Washington Wizards, and therefore I, I concede. <laughs> and, and knowing that you know the Wizards uh, probably better than I do from the inside of the organization, I, too, want to see them win more than 10 games. <laughs> so I'm going to go with I think you're right. And it's one of the reasons why I'm going to vote for you someday. Man. <laughs> That's right. What, I, I, gotta, well, I, I appreciate that. I don't know if I'm going to be running for anything, but I appreciate that, though. <laughs> you're going to be running for, for Washington Wizards position. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Hey, hey maybe so. <laughs> Tom, one question. I, I mean, you know, we're talking about your book, Fatherhood, and, and Seku mentioned earlier I'm, I'm a new first-time father. With a five-day-old, um, I'm going to read your book. But in the meantime, can you give me something to, to go on here? Like I, I don't know what I'm doing really. Or I'm kind of learning this on the fly. What's the? What can I do to kind of get my feet under me a little bit? I mean, really, these are the best times. Like as you can watch your you, – you say you have a son or a daughter? A son. A son, yeah. Watching your son um, develop and, and everything that they're going to – you know, as it, as it goes on, he's just going to be like a sponge. And he's going to be watching you and everything you do. And then you're going to turn around and he's going to be doing something that's going to be just like you. You know, he's, he's eating his food and he does something just the same way that you eat it. Right. You know what I mean? Or he's walking or, or 
something like that, and he walks just how you walk. And it's right. going to be like an overwhelming experience. And it's just a fun time. I mean, seeing him develop. And, you know, you know, Talib Kweli said, said, ain't nothing better than watching your first son put his sentences together. And it's, it's really not. I mean, you watch him develop, watch him take the first step. And, you know, the legs all wobbly and they're trying to, trying to balance and then they fall down. All that stuff is, is like, precious. It's, like, great. And so, it's, kind, it's so he's kind of like really the Washington care. Wizards. Yeah, that was low. That was low. That was a low blow. You know, listen. You know, you couldn't come on here and and everything be above the board. They had to throw some haymakers, man. But it's all right. uh, Tom, I'm telling you, we appreciate you coming on. And and before we let you get out here, you're from Tulsa. You've played in some different places around the league. You reside in D.C. Now, what made D.C. And I'm always curious about this, Rick, as well. What made D.C. the place you wanted to to set up? your home and, and, and live post-playing career? Because I'm always curious to see where guys go after they're done right. playing. Do they go back to their hometown? Do you go back to where you played college where, right. you, you know, you might be a, still be this huge magnet to people and people want to, you know, be around you? Why D.C. and not some of the other places you could have gone? Well, you know, remember I played for the Wizards for eight years. Yeah. So, you know, we are really settled there. You know, all my kids were born there. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my wife, my, my wife is Syracuse. Um, but we we lived in 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 DC for eight years, okay. you know, and my everything friend, is we're, we're just Obama, and I love the politics there, and <laughs> I love the culture, and DC is a great city. Yeah. Um, it really is, and it's rich with everything. Whatever you want to do, you could, you know, if you're into jazz, if you're into the the spoken word, the poetry scene is off the hook. If you're into politics, which I am, and you know, yeah. you're in, and whatever you're into, you can find it in DC, and then you know, go back and and uh, live in Maryland. You know, I live in PC County, so so it's, it's it's great. So I get the kids to run around in the backyard and they have some grass and everything like that. Right, I mean, right. it's, it's it's great. Right. It's great. Well, you got it all going. Y'all got it all working in DC this year too. RG three, the whole. I mean, the, the no, NFL RG3 is, off the is on a whole nother level. Yeah, on a whole nother level. Like that's a whole other conversation we can talk about. He sets for everything in DC. Yeah. Uh, what he what he is able to do, and and you know it. It's, it's really special, you know, really special what he has been able to do. And he's a, he's a special quarterback. And it's great to see them winning and seeing the city, how vibrant everybody is. Did you see the crowd? Did you yeah. see the crowd oh, yeah. the last game? Oh, yeah. oh it's, yeah. it's, it's great. And I've had the chance to take my son to two of the games. And he wants to go to the game against Baltimore. That's a big game uh, against the Ravens. Oh, and, yeah. You know, we, we'll see how we can make that happen. But, no, it's, it's RG3 is, is, is wonderful. <laughs> no doubt. No yeah, doubt. I'm thinking I'm thinking mayor of Washington. I'm with it. I'm, I'm with it. I'm with Have it. Have you been to any of the games? Have you played in any of Obama's pickup games? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I worked with the campaign to get him elected, so I get invited to all, <laughs> yeah. all the stuff Yeah, you got to gotta happen, stop so. this when you ain't into uh, politics. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't that yeah, so I, mean, I get invited to all the stuff. So the Easter egg roll that he has, and, you know, I get the kids they're down there, and we're playing on his court. And, nice. You know, we had a fundraiser for him during this election. A lot of basketball players got together and had a big fundraiser for him in New York. I mean, so, you know, it's great. He's, he's Although, got a second term. <laughs> I wonder, if, uh, you know, to Itan's defense, I wonder if you can't get – more done outside the system you know what i mean when you're a politician you're in the system yeah, and you, yeah. you have to work within that but yeah. outside right. of it, it might be easier to to make change and, and be more effective but he could change that, it he that's could change the point. system yeah well and, you, and listen you don't see too many politicians rolling into rikers island or showing up to some of those places where you will touch some lives and have some impact on people that would normally not see the guys you bring with you, man. And, yeah, and you we, do. yeah, you do before before they become president. <laughs> right before, right before they stop by. <laughs> exactly, exactly, man. And we applaud you, man, for all that you're doing. Um, Definitely, you know, we, big ups to you and, and to the movement, man. And we'll be keeping an eye on it, uh, certainly. And and I love the book. I already, I already, I've already read it and I got it because I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna hold on to it for my son so he can read it and maybe he can, you know. Glean a little wisdom out of there as well, man. We appreciate you joining us. Etan Thomas on the Hang Time Podcast. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks man. Thanks, Etan. You know what? That that kind of guy, Rick and, and Lang, he never gets held up to the light for, for people to see. That kind of professional athlete. Because he's never going to make the headlines for some, doing something that he shouldn't have done. But he's never going to get up there either for doing all the good stuff and all the positive stuff that he does outside of the game, and I hate that. I'm gl- that's why I'm glad we could have him here on the Hangtime Podcast. You know, I was pushing him a little bit about the po- political side of things, but that's only because, you know, great men and, 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 and leaders like himself in the community that put family first, that 
talk about, you know, helping young men and women develop a foundation in life. You know, you know those guys need to be pushed a little bit to actually run for a, an office, to actually have a voice, to, to be out in front. Because yeah. it's those guys that aren't out in front that, you know, we so need as examples of, of what is, you know, how you live your life and what you should be doing. And and, and so I, I joke about it, but I'm not joking. Yeah. You know, that's somebody that, you know, I would be honored to vote for when they live their life the way he does. Especially the ones who actually mean it. Mean it, yeah. It's not a, and, it's not a put on. And model it, yeah. yeah. Exactly. When, he, when he was playing, I remember, um, this, you know, this is six, seven years ago when I was writing for Slam every day. Someone who knew Atan emailed me and was like, hey, uh, Atan Thomas, might he wants to write. He's looking for somewhere to write. Um, would you guys be interested? And I was like, definitely. You know, just, how do I get in touch? And they're like, no, just just email Atan. You can just email him directly. Because <laughs> you guys know, like, almost every guy has a guy who does yep. this and handles that or whatever. And I just emailed Atan. And then you start getting – he started sending me, you know, 2,000-word Microsoft Word documents that he'd written <laughs> on the plane and stuff. And he obviously cares very deeply about all this stuff. And I love that it's genuine. Yeah, he's you know, a thoughtful dude. Yeah. He's a thoughtful dude. You don't dude. see that very often. And, you know, the, the friend of mine I mentioned – and he was talking about Hornet Pride and, you know, that Booker T. Washington. Man, Tulsa is a – there's a history there that a lot, not a lot of people know about. But if you ever bump into somebody from Tulsa that went to Booker T. Washington High School, you will get an earful about the pride they have. And um, Ryan Humphreys, Robert McQuarters, Wayman Tisdale, Etan Tommy, is there's a long tradition and history of guys who've come out of that, that school. And those are just some of the, the famous athletes you might know. But a long tradition of coming out of that place and and being a positive agent, you know, for for whatever society you live in, whatever you know community and environment you're in, and I think that's that's something that everybody can get with, you know, everybody everywhere can understand where that comes from. And I, I think again, we appreciate that, appreciate him joining us here on the Hang Time Podcast. Uh, back to uh, one other item that Rick. You are no longer allowed to debate for this show. Look, Lane, hey he threw the he threw the gauntlet down and then gave up without even making his his argument. You notice I said we would debate. <laughs> Y'all two threw me under the bus. You're gonna get a professional debater on here. Dude's been doing it since high school and throw and throw the gauntlet down and then expect us to get beat up like that. No thanks. It's, it's like, we, can't beat our, we can't beat our guests up like that, though. Yeah. Right? We got to put it. We got to put them in positions to succeed. Man, I, I was like, I, is he crazy? I, I fell on the sword for us. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> it. Okay, Stu's been hanging with Obama and his reelection team. You really think we're gonna win that debate? <laughs> like, man, are you crazy? It depends. It depends if it's the first. <laughs> if it's the first debate or the second and third ones. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But uh, what about bragging rights, Greg? It's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. Give it to us, Greg. Come on. All right, fellas. Uh, season standings right now. Lang and Rick are both at 8-6. and six. Sekou leads the pack at 10-4. and four. Well, that's a, pack of, that's a pack of one. Me and Lang hanging out. We having a good time. Right, right? <laughs> Seku is, is setting himself up for a fall. It's all downhill from here. Set the pace, baby. Let's go, Greg. Give me some new games. I need to I need to keep my lead. All right, here we go. First game of the weekend will be New York Knicks at the Chicago Bulls. Uh, let's let the leader choose first. Yeah. That would be me, boys. Uh New York Knicks at the Bulls. You know what? I'm going with the Knicks. I just I like the way they handle their business away from home. Um, they're playing better this year, obviously, and, and I got to go with Woody and Melo and the Knicks. Uh, I'm going to agree. I go with the Knicks. I'm going with the Bulls. Doubles. Derrick Rose is not coming back. You know that. Right? He's not going to be back this weekend. He's right? going to be John Wall back there. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That's a bold statement for Rick because he's right now tied, see? So he's got to go opposite. He's got to yeah, go opposite the green. All right. Second game is Milwaukee at Brooklyn. Ooh. That's a good game. Brooklyn. I'm going, uh, with, I'm going with Brooklyn. Because I know things like this matter to, to myself and Rick. Rick, the uh, the, the right Nets now. have a day off beforehand. They're they're on a homestand. That's in the middle of the homestand. Um, I don't know how much that helps us with our picks. I'm going <laughs> to – you can go ahead and pick, Rick. <laughs> we set him up. <laughs> I'm going to go with – the Nets. We live in Brooklyn. And I'm going to go with the Bucks. 
He set you up, Rick. That's dirty. Uh, I think <laughs> he's like uh, a guy on uh, the Price is Right. I, yes, he set him up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Plinko. I do think. <laughs> I think the uh, the the Bucks are a team that people are kind of sleeping on a little bit. No, they're good. No, I mean I, I like what they're doing, but I, every time I hear Brooklyn Nets, I just get this image of diggable planets in my head, and I flash back to like the mid '90s and walking down the street, just pumping pumping your Walkman. You know what I'm saying? I'm going with Brooklyn, baby. All right. Going with Brooklyn. All right, final game of the weekend will be San Antonio at Houston. I wonder Woo. which Spurs players are going to play. <laughs> I'll go out since I haven't led one. I'm going to lead one. I'm going with Houston. I'm going with San Antonio. I mean, they almost beat Miami without those four guys. So Yeah, but a ton of them are hurt, man. Yeah. They're hurt. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm going to go with – the Spurs. I, I I love Ch- Chandler Parsons is my underrated player yeah. of the season so far. I really like what he's doing. He's huge. But I don't I don't know that I like the Tony Parker going at Jeremy Lin matchup. And I think Tim Duncan is balling. I'm gonna go with the Spurs. I wonder if I uh, we'll see what happens next week. Yes, we will. Who are my picks again? <laughs> I always forget. Get some ketchup, you got, boys. You Y'all need some Bulls, ketchup. The Nets Bulls, and the Houston Rockets. Nets and Houston. Yes, sir. Uh, all home teams. All home teams. You know, just, hey, don't worry. Just look at the bottom of my Converse, baby, and you will see where the lead is. Let's go. Get some ketchup. Well, listen, fellas, once more, the Hangtime Podcast in the bag this week. Big shout out to both our new poppy, Lang Whitaker, in New York. Rick Fox in L.A., Sekou Smith right here in Atlanta. Special shout out to our guest this week, Eton Thomas. Check him out. Check out. Check him out everywhere. He's doing big things, a renaissance man. And we will see you next time. We got you all surrounded. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. And be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And as always, say Kuna Matata.